than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk with interior design duo Colin and Justin. When it comes to Renaissance men, few lads can hold a designer candle to Colin McAllister and Justin Ryan. The dynamic Scottish duo who hail from Glasgow and have been a couple since 1986 first came to Toronto about 15 years ago on a press trip to promote one of their popular British TV shows, How Not to Decorate. Before they knew it, they were involved with a Canadian-produced hit series, Home Heist, and quickly fell head over heels for everything this country has to offer. As designers, TV personalities, authors, newspaper columnists, and now helming their own new magazine entitled Here, Colin and Justin have continually courted Canadians with their charming brand of warmth, humor, and down-to-earth lifestyle advice. And these days, as we continue to ride out the pandemic with the concept of cottaging so near and dear to people's hearts, Colin and Justin are hell-bent on creating wee cozy spaces in which we can celebrate life and ourselves. I caught up with the romantic pair nesting in their own cottage in the wilds of Halliburton. Colin McAllister and Justin Ryan, I'm so thrilled to have you on this episode of Beyond Style Matters because the, you know, the minute I knew you were locked in and you were coming on the podcast, I thought, okay, now we can really get cozy. That's what I think of you. When I think of the two of you, I think of a kind of coziness in terms of, uh, you know, your vision of lifestyle and just, you know, who the two of you are. You know, you feel very the word in, um, in Yiddish, actually, um, that, uh, it, Hamish is the word. Now, Hamish, I know is a Scottish name, but Hamish, it comes um, from the word in Yiddish, which is haim, which is home. And in Gaelic, I think uh, in Scottish, haim is home too, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, I love that. So I think we may change our names to Hamish. Mm-hmm. I, well, that's the name of my country and my partners, My par- you know, Ian, my partner and I, our country home is called Hamish Heights because it feels homey and cozy and because it's got that Scottish background of Ian, you know, that's permeated the whole thing. And I'm always making Odies and stuff here. Oh, I love that. A little bit Yiddish, a little bit Scottish, (laughs) you know, it's all good. Now, Ginny, we've never told you this, but before we came to Canada, what, maybe 13 years ago, we had limited awareness of this country and what was going on in this country. But there were three names with whom we were very, very familiar. One was William Shatner. One was Pamela Anderson. And one was your ladyship, Jeannie Becker. And the reason that we were so familiar with you before we even arrived was because we watched reruns of fashion television on a cable network in Britain. So I remember being at a very first event in Canada many years ago, before we knew anybody else. And the moment I knew you, I felt, there's a familiar face. I remember that Justin said, oh my God, don't look, look, look who's over there. And I said, is it William Shatner? (laughs) No, it's Jeannie Becker. (laughs) Um, That is funny because, oh, I'll tell you, story. I mean, the, the first time I ever saw you guys, heard of you, set, you know, set my sights on you, was at Fashion Cares, That's the big AIDS fundraiser, the year it was held at the distillery district. That's correct. And I remember you had some kind of role. We were 
co-hosting or something. And I'm very, very involved with Fashion Cares since its inception. And there you two guys were like up, you know, by the stage area or something. And you were doing a bit or going on. And I just, I felt that you had no awareness of me at all. Like you didn't know who I was. And you're, you know. That was the event I'm talking about. That was, I remember that. It was, it was well, 12 or so years back, Janine. Oh, it was a long and time that, ago. Every time I see you at an event now, I've wanted to tell you that, but I didn't want to blow smoke up your ass and think, okay, <laughs> but there you have it. Our initial recollections. Well, I'm very, very touched that I had any kind of influence on you. I mean, I don't know if I did or not. You were obviously always um, very stylish fellows. I mean, uh, tell me about how, you, you know, that first started for you, your aesthetic, really, and how yeah, you exactly. really cultivated the eye that you have. Um, you know, I think our quest has always been for your home to be the place where you are your truest self, your happiest self, your, your most fulfilled self. And it's not about spending money. So when Justin and I first got together as a couple, back in the dark ages, when dinosaurs roamed the earth... <laughs> Um, we bought our first apartment for £25,000. Weirdly enough, it was in a warehouse in Glasgow, Scotland, that used to ship things to Canada. And so the building was called Canada Court. Who knew that many years later we would ship ourselves to Canada? But we moved into this tiny one-bedroom apartment. It had been trashed by the previous occupants, had a terrible view overlooking the kind of garbage bins at the back of the building. But we said... Let's make it special. And we dumpster dived, we bought second hand, we scraped it together for 500 pounds, but we turned it into something that we were both totally happy with and totally at home with. And that was always our thing, you know? And then suddenly when we put it onto the market, someone gave us 49,000 for something that was 25. And we thought, Oh, okay, so you actually you can create something beautiful that's right for you, that brings out the best in you, and you can profit from that too. Aha. Uh -huh. So it, it became your passion turned into an enterprise, really. Yeah, necessity was the mother of invention for us. Back then, what, 20, so 25 years ago, we had precisely no money. And we just had to be as inventive, Ginny, as we possibly could to develop our opportunity. And we started in the daytime schedules of BBC One in Britain, where we would renovate people's homes for a few hundred pounds or a thousand dollars maybe to prepare them for the market. And sticky homes, as we call them, houses that wouldn't sell, could be beautified and made much, much more appealing. And from that grew our ability to love what we do because we had to be so inventive and spool forward a couple of decades. And yeah, sure, our own personal thing has changed uh, insofar as our career is concerned, and we can spend more money both on our client homes and indeed in our own lives. But it's a salient reminder every time we look, from, we look back to where we came from that we had to do it our way. We were always really super impressed by the notion of taking ourselves somewhere further down the line. And I guess our opportunity grew from there. We, we just did what we loved. And the fact, Ginny, that we do it together makes it ever more important. We've worked together, played together, been a couple for 30 plus years since our first year at university. Um, and although that's a long time ago, gosh, it feels like yesterday. Every great conversation needs a pause. So this is the perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. 
And so you might ask, why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe great fashion should be accessible to everyone. And TSC.ca is home to some amazing designers, wonderful Canadians like Brian Bailey, Kim Newport Mimran of Pink Tartan fame, and Hillary McMillan, as well as quality brands like Lamarck and Ron White Shoes. It's one-stop shopping for everything you need to make your own style statement. And of course, TSC offers so much more than mere fashion. Shop tsc.ca and discover some great brands at some great prices. Was it hard? And this is something that's a little off topic too, but I'm just curious because I, you've been a couple since what, the mid 80s then, right? Yeah. Like, it, was it hard for you to be a couple and be that? I mean, you know, it's it's so embraced, obviously accepted now. It's wonderful. But in those early days, like, for example, the, uh, the late, great Chris Hindeman, who was a very dear friend of mine, and Stephen Sabados, mm-hmm. you know, they were a couple. And when they started doing their show, uh, The Designer Guys, I think it was called, the very first show that they did together, they could not tell anyone that they were a couple. Like it was really a secretive kind of thing. And that so sad to think of that. And that was way beyond the 80s. I think that was probably like by, you know, like the year 2000 or something. For sure. That, uh, you know, they had started that show and they still had to keep it hush hush. But what about for you guys, like going on the tube and everything as a couple? Do you know, it's really, really weird. You know, a lot of people talk about this, like coming out and this announcement and stuff. We were never in, Jeannie. <laughs> we were never in. So when we, it's bizarre. When we came to television, you know, we came to BBC One. So our main channel in Britain, and we came as a visible gay couple. So we, we were a couple, you know, people knew. We lived together, we slept together. You know, at the end of making a TV show, we went home together. We were just never in. And it was never a question. And we were super fortunate, you know, that mm. that, that continued in our career. And I think that came from us, though, you know. And I think you sometimes think that you're not being political by not being political, but at that time you actually are at your most political because we weren't banner waving. You know, we weren't saying, okay, Liza Minnelli for president. We were getting on with being Colin and Justin. And straight people don't have to walk around being straight all the time. You know, you don't have to keep justifying your existence. And we never felt that we had to do that as well. You know, so we we were a visible couple. We did what we had to do and we didn't ask for permission. And <laughs> that's the main thing, you know, we still don't ask for permission. Mm, that's God. Oh, that's so great to hear. Let, let's talk about this recent fabulous book of yours, Escapology. The fact that you, I, I don't know, you must have had a crystal ball or something, because obviously this book was in the works for a while. Yeah. It comes out at a time when home has taken on a whole new meaning to all of us and, and uh, the, the charming humbleness of a home too. Like it doesn't have to be a grand, fancy palace at all, at all, at all. It's just about what really, you know, speaks to us in a, a safe kind of nest almost. And here you guys are like, you know, writing about it, talking about it and, and setting our imaginations um, spinning in so many wonderful new directions, you know, a, a very inspiring uh, vision to be sure. Why did you decide that this was a great area to hone in on talking about cabins? It's all because of Canada. It's all because of Colin and Justin's Canadian journey. You know, when I think about probably 10 years ago, we discovered uh, Ontario's cottage country. We were very fortunate that we were able to stay at a friend's cottage on a little Lake Joseph, which is absolutely beautiful in Muskoka. 
And we were like, wow, you know, we'd been here for a few years, but working in Toronto. But suddenly we realized there was another part of Canada. And it was kind of like the poster child of Canada with the bears and the trees and the lakes and the moose and the deer and all of the above that actually existed. And there were people with canoes and people portaging through forests and what have you. And um, we just became hooked on it. We absolutely adored it. We bought a cabin. We bought a log cabin in Muskoka, you know, the most North American, quintessentially North American building you can find. We built a log cab- bought a log cabin and moved in and loved it. And then we started to design these second homes on lakes, you know, in forests, on mountains. And we realized that people who were fortunate enough to have second homes, you know, these, uh, these are decisions that are made a little bit more from the heart and less from the head. Because in the city, we have to be close to schools, we have to commute to work. There are a lot of things that come into play to make our decisions about where we live. But if you're lucky enough to have a second home, they're a bit more passion driven, you know? So they tend to be about the view, about connection to the outside, about the experience and about making your heart beat a little bit faster. So a couple of years ago, we thought, okay, why aren't we to bring in all this wonderful new knowledge and bringing it into the city? Why don't we do a book that looks like a coffee table book, but reads like a guidebook? Because those two things, they don't normally exist, you know, it's only one or the other. You get lots of pictures or lots of words, Let's marry the two things together, give people some beautiful escapist spaces to enjoy throughout the world so that they can then implement those things in their homes, wherever they are. And I guess we brought some of our pedigree, Ginny, from our show, Colin and Justin's Cabin Pressure on the College Life Network and uh, Colin and Justin's Great Canadian Escapes. Those shows were shows that we traveled to other people's homes and also on some episodes where we transformed our own properties. Uh, And that gave us our pedigree and I think our appetite uh, I love what we teach, Jeannie. I really love the fact that we work in an environment where we get to celebrate something that's so enjoyable. We're, we're all about creating nests and we're all about making the best of them. And a little birdie tells me that somebody on the other end of this camera, namely your ladyship, has invested <laughs> with your daughter, Joey, in a really cute cabin in the Yukon. I'm dying to know how that came about. Yeah, that was incredible. Well, my daughter, Joey, has uh, lived in the Yukon off-grid for uh, around about eight years now. (sighs) She went there for a year to, you know, to study visual art. And after a year, she said, Mom, I've decided I I don't think I'm going to be a visual artist. I want to be a musician. And she was a very talented musician as well. So she's, yeah, pursued this uh, musical career. But she said she'd fallen in love with the community. So she wanted to at least give it one more year in the Yukon. And then one year led to two years, led to so eight years later, she's still there. And she's been renting a beautiful little birch cabin. And it's a a stunning little place. It's off grid, of course. She shares it with her dog, Oblio. I think it's time for her to have her own place now because she's been renting this little birch cabin for a long time. So we found a fantastic little 10-year-old log cabin on two and a half acres just a couple of lots over from where she is now and it's right next to the Yukon River where you cross over to go into Dawson City so it's a 15 minute walk to the river and she can take a ferry over or in the winter she can drive across the ice bridge into Dawson City and she's surrounded with all the people that she loves because uh, there's a community of about 80 people around there. David Suzuki's son actually has a a cabin uh, out that way too so 
And what can I say? You know, you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> I've always, you know, we've always loved cottage life. You know, my, my uh, ex-husband and I, you know, and the girls, we used to pile into the car every Friday night, no matter, even if they had to pick me up from the airport because I was traveling and we would drive to Muskoka. We had this gorgeous little 1930s cottage on a sparkling little lake. And um, that was our time to be together as a family. You know, we just really, the, the four of us and the two cats and the, our turtle, Sheldon, every weekend, we go to the 48 weekends a year, you know, we drive out there in whiteouts. And, and it was very magical. And it was a great way for the kids to grow up. And now I see it's given both my daughters, as Becky lives on a farm. Um, and uh, I, I can really see how it's given the girls such an appreciation uh, for nature and for nesting, you know, as you think of it, right? As we nesting all is a key word, Jenny. And I think at the moment, because of the way our world has developed in the last kind of 12 or 14 months, we've all become much more introspective than previously. And we're really analyzing every moment and the importance of every breath. And we always, we always think we've run for the majority of our lives. Now we're pacing things much more, much more slowly. And we're much more aware of every breath we take because everything's been compromised. We all know this. We've all been compromised in some way or other. And we've been lucky, and I guess you've been lucky that our compromises haven't been as enormous as they have for other people. And the losses that we've achieved are nothing compared to what many people have had to endure in the last year and a quarter. But I really like to think of slowing down. And that cottage that you and Joey have bought will be a new adventure ground, a new playground where time can be remanaged, where thoughts can be refocused, where ambitions can be honed. And you can start to eradicate and erase the problems that have happened in the last period, because this, let's face it, has been one hell of a time for mm. all of us. Yeah. And we always try and find ambition and opportunity, but it's really hard at the moment to focus on those things mm. when we're so aware of other people having lost so much. But focus we must, because the world has got to continue. And I can only imagine the fun that lies ahead for you guys in the Yukon. Well, I mean, I won't be there quite as much, um, but I, I, I certainly will make my pilgrimages out there. Uh, it takes three flights to get there and wow. you have to spend an overnight in Whitehorse. So this is not just, you know, I think I'll drive up the 401 for, you, you know, a couple of hours and be in my river. country paradise. But, you know, realistically, we are all so blessed that are able to have these homes away from home. Most people don't have that luxury. Yet I think there's a sensibility there to put that kind of aesthetic into maybe a part of your existing home. Like maybe it's one room that you could do up as your fantasy little country escape, even though it's right in the middle of the city. Don't you think, I mean, aren't there ways of, of maybe, you know, bringing a little bit of that sense um, into your own home when you don't actually have to have a piece of land somewhere by a lake? Absolutely, you know, and it is like, it's like the story of fashion. You know, there's someone who lives a lifestyle and they create a way that they exist and that it has a look and then that filters down to catwalks and into stores, mm -hmm. you know, and so you buy into that at a, a smaller level. Right. And it's the same with your home, you know. So there are people who have second homes that's amazing you're there you know you can in the Yukon which is amazing having a great time but people can still bring escapism into their spaces you know and it could be that you create one room that is a little bit kind of different a little bit special it could be something as simple as if you have a bedroom that's big enough to have a chair in it 
why not put a nice a nice armchair in there, put it close to the window, somewhere where you can go, you, when the kids are being a bit noisy, you close the door, you take out your little book and you just sit there and you have 20 minutes, 25 minutes to yourself. You know, and I think that is something that people are doing. And it stems from this Canadian second home close to nature that suddenly mindfulness has become fashionable. It's what people want. They want moments and they want experiences in their lives. So the people we're talking about, they're no longer interested in having anonymous spaces. They don't want to walk in and just see it all painted beige. And they want function, but they want beauty as well. They want to pick up something in their hand that feels good, that communicates with them, that makes their heart beat a little bit faster, you know? So I think make moments in your day. If you're watching this and you think, okay, I want to feel escapist, create moments in your day. One of the things I do is I'm obsessed with my rituals. I have my rituals in the morning and my rituals in the evening. And that's when I'll have a little cleanse and a little scrub and a little pluck and a little... Look at that composing. Look at that buff shine. But you know what? I close the bathroom door and it's quiet time and I just think about myself. And I think at that moment, you kind of replenish yourself. It's about taking your thoughts and internalizing them to make you feel good. Exactly. And there's so much out there to plunder. Do you know, when we, when we were putting the concept for Escapology together, we wanted the book to be uh, a reference point for every level of the property market. And we didn't want it only to be homes in Canada. So we extended it to homes in Canada, America, Denmark, Sweden. Uh, we have homes in South Africa, homes in Mexico, everywhere across the globe. Scotland. And Scotland, obviously, <laughs> at every level and every price point. And mm-hmm. I think what the book does, it delivers uh, a sightline to what you can do by taking a reference from one project and marrying it with a cost-effective um, style point or tip from another chapter. Mm-hmm. And taking all of that information on board because good style, you know this, Jenny, good style can be at very many levels of the financial spectrum. There are stores in Britain, stores in Canada, where you can find amazingly um, high fashion items for a really small cost. Similarly, there are expensive stores and couture outlets. But I think the secret is to know how to spend small sometimes and spend big. It's always a balance. Um, And I, I love the fact that Escapology has that guide in there. It's not simply... Uh, a book of beautiful pictures um, and no information. It's a, a really rounded mm-hmm. piece of, of kind of literature that shows people how to corral all you need to know to create the environment that's perfect. And now more than ever, we're all about that woodsy aesthetic. Um, we marry that soft industrial look with lots and lots of natural timber. And those components, when they're married together, give a really relevant um, and concise observation of the design landscape in terms of interiors. And everybody wants to be cosy. And that's what we're championing. We're championing that route to cosy. I've always been charmed uh, and inspired by uh, the high-low mix. I mean, that particular aesthetic, certainly in fashion, it works fabulously, but also in the home space and especially in this kind of cabin culture where you can, and as you show in your book so brilliantly, these places that just look so jet-set modern, yet 
you can mix that with, you know, bring in some antiques, the vintage stuff, the nostalgia, because we all love that too. These places that feel like they're brand new on one hand and then on another hand, no, no, they've been there forever. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and that's a really nice way to do it. You know, if you have something that's, if you're lucky enough to have brand new and it's all drywall and it's clean and quite clinical, then as soon as you bring in vintage elements, it suddenly gives it a lift in and love look. If you bring in some timber, get some wood in there, you know, it just friendlies it up a bit, you know, and it gives it that visual kind of uh, tactile nature. You know, you're looking at texture and texture is super, super important in terms of being rewarding. You know, the Canadian cottage has become such a thing, such a style icon in itself. that There are now um, uh, condo blocks that are being built close to Toronto that are called the cottage. And they're offering um, extra packages where you have stone walls or do timber finishes, rough wood in there. And it's because Canadians now see it as a thing. We want that. We want to actually have that in our lifestyles, which is amazing. I mean, we're, we're very urban in our, in our kind of design predilections originally. But having come to Canada, the, the edges of our kind of love box, as we call it, in terms of everything that we enjoy in interiors, um, have softened and that woozy aesthetic has really crawled in there. And it's so easy if you've got a condo that's got big expanses of white, you can, as Colin said, you can add those rustic elements. You can choose uh, a beaten up vintage leather chair. You can add a faux fur cushion. You can put down a really incredible rug that's maybe got a bit of pedigree and a bit of history. There's a liberation now, I find, to the way in which people decorate their homes. And it's an anything goes liberation because at the end of the day, in the same way that somebody who loves fashion should feel comfortable in what they wear, so they're not a fashion victim, so they're comfortable, whatever it is they're wearing, as long as they're comfortable in it, the same sensibilities apply to the home, Ginny. And, and it's lovely to watch that change. And it's lovely to watch people embrace a much more rustic take on life. It's so uh, wonderful to see two Scottish guys sensitize us to, uh, you know, what, what is at the heart of Canadian style. I mean, having worked in, uh, you know, the Canadian fashion industry for so very long, decades and decades and decades, but there was a time when we really all tried to analyze, well, what is Canadian style? You know, what is it really? And, you know, there's some of the things that are pretty cliche, but on the other hand, there are some wonderful things that really to make us so distinctive and uh, for you to really come here like you know just to parachute into Canada and really you know um, mine the culture in that way and find uh, so many uh, gems and, and really, you know, exploit them in a, in a wonderful way and, and expose them. You know, it's really cool. It's so bizarre. Why did you come to Canada? Canada's become, without a doubt, our home from home. And at the moment, in the very, very best possible way, we're trapped here, Jeannie, because we can't go back to Britain at the moment because of travel restrictions yeah. and quarantine. We can't afford that time. So we're very happily trapped in inverted commas in Canada, waiting out the storm. We're more homesick than ever, but we've got a really tight bundle of friends here, a great working environment, and we're jolly well making the best of it with a stiff upper British lip. We're so lucky in that one of us hasn't had to stand there and be brave on their own. 
there's yeah. always been someone else there holding your hand to say, okay, well, let's make this big decision. Let's go to another part of the world or let's do this or let's yeah. buy a cabin or there's always been someone else there, you know? So I feel like I am the most fortunate person on the planet. We've also done some controversial stuff, Jeannie, and we've done it for what we think are good reasons. For example, we recently completed a really massive show home project in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East. And um, we took quite a lot of stick for doing that because people said to us, how dare you go to somewhere where the values are so different and the laws are so different for gay men, um, where rights are different for people. And we said, okay, the reason that we have to do this is because we have to see if we can help make change. And somebody said, oh, you'll do anything for a buck, boys, won't you? And we said, okay, well, do you know what? We've got to a point in our life where we don't have to do anything for a buck. We've been really fortunate to get to a point where we can now make choices according to how they will affect our lives experientially, socially, emotionally. Um, it's not all about the professional gain. And we went to Abu Dhabi and we spent a long time there working with so many incredible people incredible people native to the area who were so supportive of us and were fascinated to learn about two gay men in the Middle East. And we were fascinated to watch how we would be accepted. And we found no issues over there. And in some small way, I hope we can impact change. We were, we were working, as well as doing the show home project, really massive, massive project in Abu Dhabi uh, on a place called Yas Island, which is where the, the, the Formula One racing happens, or some of it happens. Yeah, the Grand Prix. The Grand Prix, rather. Um, we, were, we were doing these massive store appearances in huge shopping malls, because shopping malls are the high street yeah. in Abu Dhabi, because there really aren't so many shops mm -hmm. out in the open that aren't within the umbrella of a mall network. And there were billboards the size of Times Square billboards with our faces on them, a gay couple in Abu Dhabi. Um, we went with a really open mind. We learned such a lot, and I really hope in some way we helped educate in, in some way as well. We, we know that their laws are different, um, we can't go and try and force feed our beliefs on people who have different beliefs, but we can somehow try and merge our ideas and find some type of middle ground. So that's another great example of, of how our world has allowed us to, to go out there and chase a dream and chase an opportunity and, and hopefully impact, Ginny, uh, hopefully impact positively on everybody, no matter where they are. Well, you just are all about spreading uh, good cheer and good vibes and making us... Uh feel good just even in our own tiny little worlds in the, the spread the love personal. you know spread the love it's we we've worked in in our world we've been we've had to work in some tricky and really demanding situations where pressure and deadlines maybe bring out the worst in us but you soften as you get older and you learn that you attract more you try attract more ants with sugar is that the phrase flies you attract more flies <laughs> You try and attract more anxious flies. You attract more flies with sugar. We got there in the end. You learn that um, and spread the love. You know, life is too short. It's the biggest old cliche. One time on earth, it's not a rehearsal. I mean, that, that old adage, but it's actually true. And karma, you know, if you can just be a good person and share the opportunity, then the opportunity grows for other people. Yeah, well, you've just been a shining example of, uh, you know, putting a whole lot of good uh, out into the world. There's no question. What does, um, and now I know because you do have disparate homes. I mean, your, your home in Glasgow, which I'm dying to come visit someday, and I will, uh, I'm sure is just radically different than this beautiful Halliburton home that you have now. But uh, what essentially do both those places have that really make you feel so good and cozy. 
they, I think they all have things that actually mean something to us. You know, and people talk about this whole decluttering thing and people get panicked about that, don't they? You think, what are you going to get rid of my life? Are you just are you clearing me away and bringing in anonymous accessories? And that's not what having a home's about. You know, I, I'm a great believer in that your house should be like a car ferry. You know, if two cars come on, then two cars have got to get off or else you're going to sink, girl. <laughs> you know? uh, so it's super important. So if we bring something in, you know, if we bring in a new table, we'll go, okay, well, that one's going to go and we'll donate it or we'll give it to our friends. We'll get, we'll get it out of there. And I think that it's super important that your home should be only actually be full of things that are beautiful and are practical or are sentimental for the right reasons. Mm. And we know, you know, we all move into our first apartments and maybe your grandmother gives you her sofa. That's great. It's fantastic. And you and your partner, you buy a few pieces. You make it happen. You know, you make it homely. It has to get to a point where you say, okay, well, we don't like that sofa. We never liked that sofa. Let's get rid of it. You just you don't have to live with it. And then you start to make life choices. So I'm a great believer in that. And I'm a great believer in keeping things moving. You know, it should be organic. You don't actually just create a space and then live with it for 20 years. You know, you don't wear the same clothes you wore 20 years ago, but you've got some key pieces that you may go back to. Yeah. And you okay, I wear this in a different way. Or that always gave me, that, that reminded me of the time I met Giorgio Armani. Why would I ever throw that jacket out? So there are things that are properly important. These are the things you can have in your home too. I think there's the, the 2080 rule as well. We use 20% of our time. So we use 20% of our stuff 80% of the time. And if we can play around with that figure and start to really hone in on the things that we love and use them all the time, and the same way you would with your wardrobe, as, as you illustrated there, there's so much stuff that people keep that they mightn't ever wear. If you can clear some of that, then you clear your, your mindset. And I mean, just addressing some of the, the principles of Feng Shui, um, it's a very, very simple science, actually, Feng Shui. It just says, only really use what you have that you must use. Don't focus and don't clutter your lives with stuff that isn't important and people think feng shui simply means clearing out clutter from underneath the bed well it's obviously broader than that but when you do have a clear out you know what it's like Ginny everybody that's listening knows what it's like when you have a clear out and a purge you feel a sense of cleanse and a calming aura starts to settle over you um, so less is more we've as we've championed and kind of rushed our way through life we've started to edit um, but the same principles can be applied to what's in your cupboard, what's on your coffee table. Um, we have a lot of stuff that we don't use and we haven't been able to purge it because it is quite difficult sometimes. But what Colin and I do is we do what's called spinning rotation. So we take a lot of the stuff that we love, if we've got a collection of paperweights or a collection of ceramics, and we'll store the majority in the basement and put a few out every week or every month. And then we'll swap that around so we get to enjoy everything but on rotation rather yeah. than being cluttered uh, and made to feel put upon every turn. Oh, I need you guys to move in here. I mean, you, I'm, I'm even saying my country house, my city house, that's a whole other story. But yeah, I'm a collector. I love stuff. And there's sometimes a little too much of it around, but I get sentimentally attached to stuff. I mean, you know, this is the and problem. And if you've got storage space, then why shouldn't you keep it and just know it's there? Yeah. Um, but the, the, the best of us can edit that. I mean, there must be stuff, Jenny, that's so super important to you and that really references every single stage in your career. But I'm sure, if you're honest, in amongst that, there are other things from which somebody else could benefit. So maybe do that charity store run. Maybe give it to friends. Maybe pass it in the love. 
And I think that that is maybe the difference. I think in our city homes, I think we're trying to make them feel special because we're in the box. Whereas when we're out in, in cottage country, we're very much out of the box because it's about the connection to nature. You know, we all just can't wait for the weather so that we can be out on our decks, out on our docks. And, the, and that becomes your living room. That's your dining room. Uh, and I think that is the big difference. So it's weird. So we, we tend to now pair back a little bit on our cottage interiors because we want... We have the most beautiful glass and the most incredible views, you know, and so if that was your feature wall, if you like, in the city, mm -hmm. we want it to be a living feature wall. So we try not to detract from that. And also, I think in like in, in Toronto, we have a, a really big space right downtown, a, a condo. It's a couple of thousand square feet and it's a great space. And when we got it, it had three bedrooms and three bathrooms. And we fairly quickly realized that the space would be better utilized where we to take down walls. So we took down walls and we now have uh, one bedroom, one living room, one dining room and two bathroom apartments. And it's a really big space uh, and it's very polished. There's no doubt about it. It's a very polished space with Bauhausian elements and big black framed fenestration, gorgeous um, picture windows overlooking the city. And it does to a degree stand in ceremony. Um, yet at the cottage, we're much more, don't worry, just chuck off your shoes, come on in, throw yourself down, grab a glass of wine. If something falls on the floor, don't worry, we'll mop it up. Um, and it's easier to be like that, I think, in this country space, because it's very much more relaxed. There's nothing in any way Teutonic about this place, where there is in the city, very slick and organized, and it's, it's very, very easy to be that sharp in that lovely big glass box. But up here in Halliburton, it's a little bit messy, Ginny. It's a little bit untidy sometimes. And we'll sometimes leave stuff down and we won't automatically chop a pillow and replace a rug or a throw. Um, it's, it's, and that's what a good cottage or a good home can do to your mindset. It just takes the foot off the gas. And uh, it's funny, when we jump in our truck, Ginny, and drive from Toronto, the vacation starts from the minute we jump in our truck and drive from Toronto. There's three hours of being on vacation before we get here. Um, and I just hope that that sensibility returns for everybody, that ability to decompress because our world has really compressed so many people and people are stressed at the moment. And I, I, wanna, I wanna savor the journey back to normality. I wanna see people smiling again for, um, a whole set of new and liberating reasons. Um, we're, we're good at this. We're, we're good at being a couple, Jimmy. We're good at working. We're the classic buy one, get one free. Yeah, we all go. All go. <laughs> and it's how we've operated. I don't know how I would have navigated this journey were it not for having the person beside me that I met when I was a 17-year-old boy, you know, an 18-year-old student, in fact, at Glasgow University. Um, who knew back then, as I dodged politics class after psychology lecture, that I would charge forward with this man and find an amazing new life, an amazing new journey. Um, my biggest asset, without a doubt, is nothing to do with bricks and mortar. It's Colin. Well, there's no question that uh, that your love is infectious. Um, I love you guys to bits. Oh, and um, thank you so much no, for all your no. insights. And uh, you know, you've just uh, really taken us away on a bit of an escape, I think, with uh, this particular conversation. So, Lance, uh, oh, Eugenia, you know what? You are the same. We love you because you're an enthusiast. You are a life enthusiast. You're out there to see the best, 
share the best and be the best. And that's why we love you. Yeah. Thank you for being on this episode of Beyond Style Matters, Colin and Justin. Thanks for listening. To see video versions of the podcasts, check out tsc.ca slash style matters. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.